Hello, just before we begin this week's episode, I'm walking a very special musical Camino in May 2024, and I'm inviting you to join me. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? I'm walking from Leon to Santiago de Compostela in the first three weeks of May next year. I'll be performing concerts along the way. Pilgrims walking with me will pay a fee and every cent will go towards making my new album, Storyteller. We are already selling spots, so if you're interested, join now. Just go to danmullinsmusic.com. There's a list of frequently asked questions and a basic itinerary. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Join me for a magical musical Camino. To reserve your spot, go to danmullinsmusic.com. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Hello, welcome to my Camino the Podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. This is a weekly podcast about El Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims walk to the shrine housing St. James's remains in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. An English translation of the city's name is St. James under a field of stars. The Camino follows the Milky Way. And pilgrims from all faiths walk. You don't have to be a Christian or even religious. You may simply walk for the adventure of the Camino, the great outdoors. The Japanese practice what's called Shinrin-yoku, or forest bathing, spending time in a forest as a means of therapy and relaxation. Well, you'll find plenty of forests on the Camino, plenty of therapy too. And you'll find people like you and people who are not like you. And if you approach the Camino in the right frame of mind, you'll accept all comers. Welcome and accept all pilgrims in the spirit of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, and Christ's teaching was all about love and acceptance. I'm reminded of Proverb 11.17. When you are kind to others, you help yourself. When you are cruel to others, you hurt yourself. Remember Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. And the passage in the Gospel of Luke, treat others as you want to be treated. And I've said here many times, I'm struck how often you see pilgrims helping another pilgrim, being a good Samaritan, carrying someone's pack or buying coffee or lunch for someone who hasn't been able to find an ATM, being the best version of ourselves, treating others as we would like to be treated. And Proverb 11.17, when you are kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. My guest this week is an American pilgrim, Karen O'Dart. In the course of doing my research for Karen's interview, I found an article about Karen and her husband, Patrick, preparing for the Camino. It said that Karen and Patrick are collecting prayer intentions, which they intend to pray for each kilometre they walk. And I began the interview by asking Karen how it worked and why they decided to conduct a prayer Camino. 
Oh, that's fantastic that you found that article. So we joined the American Pilgrims on the Camino, and our local chapter had a shell blessing event about three weeks before we departed. And so while we were at the event, the shells were blessed by a Catholic priest we didn't know, but lived in our area. And there was a reporter there from a local Catholic publication. And I spoke to her. And so she just asked about the why of the Camino. I explained it was a religious pilgrimage, but I also explained that um, we were gathering people's prayer requests and we would have a very long list and then we'd pray. Now, I can't say I prayed every kilometer <laughs> of the of the of the Camino, but the way that it usually worked, I walked with my husband, and the way that it usually worked is um, we would get a start. We might be with other people, but it would be a point when we were by ourselves, and so we would say, "Oh, it's time to pray for that long list." And we did not always pull out the long list, but we became pretty familiar with what was on the list. So we would walk. And he would list who he remembered, and I would list who I remembered. And there was quite a bit of back and forth. And then as the day went on, if we thought about somebody, then we would just add them. So it was just a way to hold people's intentions. Yeah. And I'm not sure. We might have shared it with a couple of other people, but it was something that we decided to do. And prior to leaving we reached out to our parish priest and asked if we could just bring our backpacks and have him bless them. And because that's what people did, you know, in 800 and 900 before they went on a pilgrimage. And he actually asked if we could bring them to a mass and come forward. And then it was very touching because he actually did some research himself and talked about pilgrimage and Camino. He blessed the backpacks and did a really touching prayer. But many of the folks in our community, they still ask us, hey, I haven't seen you. How was that trip? So I felt like it was a way to just bring people's intentions, people who said, I've always wanted to do it. Maybe I'll do it. Or maybe at this stage of my life, I'm not going to be able to do it. So that was really touching. That same article, Karen, said, asked what they expect. The Odants had different answers in terms of gifts of the spirit, Karen said. I think I'm definitely looking for wisdom and peace. Patrick said he had no expectations. He said, I'm letting the spirit, <laughs> he said, I'm letting the spirit talk to me. I don't make plans. He is going to decide what's best for me. But I, that... thought, I thought that was a really interesting difference between the two of you in 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 terms of your perspective, what you're planning, how did that play out on the Camino? It's really interesting. I don't want to put words in his mouth because he's not here, but my spouse is from the Caribbean and definitely has a manana, tomorrow will take care of itself approach. Um, it doesn't mean that he doesn't make plans, but I'm definitely more of a planner. Um, I was in a process of personal discernment about a career choice as I was planning the Camino. And I really expected that I would have this discernment and this like 
aha moment and a decisive moment on the Camino. And I was really given a gift before the Camino. I got clarity and I made a really big decision before the Camino. So when I when that article was written, I think I had made the decision. So it was really like, okay, now the wisdom of I've made this big decision and it seems so momentous. So what's next? And the having, you know, the inner peace to say I've made this decision. I've had moments like that in my life that I've prayed for discernment and there can be a sense of inner peace and not second guess it and not go back and say that that was the right decision at the time. I'm not going to turn back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we're going to get to the motivation for your pilgrimage and, and, and what you discovered and, and, and how it affected you. But in December, 2022, you committed to making a religious pilgrimage. What is a, what is a religious pilgrimage? What, what was your intention? So, um, I, I was raised as a Catholic. So, you know, initially as a, as a baby, I didn't make that choice. The choice was made for me as I became old enough to decide. I continued to be a Catholic, a practicing Catholic and, um, I grew up in a community that was with Franciscan religious priests and brothers and sisters. So the Franciscan um, charism is all about care for creation, service, humility, care for others. And the Catholic faith, without going into details, mm. is very is you know, it's a big tent. And yeah. so this is one religious order, and that has always really spoken to me in terms of my personal values and how I've chosen to live my life. And so for me, the idea of pilgrimage has never been the big churches and the pomp and circumstance. It's been much more about um, going to places that are significant but having that opportunity for reflection and prayer, if that makes sense. So I had the opportunity um, to go on pilgrimage in, in Rome and in Assisi. And I would say Assisi was extremely moving. Um, in the daytime, it's this hustling and bustling tourist town. And then when everybody leaves... At night, you or really early in the morning, you really get a sense of what it was like. You can literally stand in the square where Francis of Assisi stripped off his clothes and stood naked, symbolizing taking away all earthly wealth and saying, I don't want any of this. And um, I had the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage to Israel in 2019 and it was very, very moving because I tried to approach it not just from the perspective of Catholic Christianity, but from Judaism and when it was possible from Islam, the perspective of Islam. So um, I knew about the Camino and I knew that I would make a walk and I knew that when I would do it, it would be a religious pilgrimage. It was also a heck of a lot of fun. It wasn't <laughs> somber, and it was—I <laughs> mean, there was a whole lot of being 
amazing people from all around the world. But the heart of it for me was to um, to be a pilgrim and really lean into um, what it's meant throughout history to be a pilgrim, not just as a Catholic Christian, but from many, many faith traditions, because there's actually a lot of commonality when you look at pilgrimage across many different belief systems. Yeah, that's right. And it's about all about faith. And it's all about love in, in my experience anyway. I just just before we get to the, the the ins and outs of the pilgrimage, tell me about taking your mother to the Vatican. <laughs> so um it's very interesting in the world of Christianity and Catholicism, some folks like me, their faith was a gift from from my family and I chose to be a practicing Catholic. And my mother is old enough that for her becoming, choosing to become a Catholic was actually a pretty tough decision. It was an era that when she married my Irish Catholic dad, it was really expected. Or if you didn't become Catholic, you literally had to sign a piece of paper agreeing that your children would be raised in the faith. So serious business. Mm. And she grew up in another Christian congregation that was very welcoming, very wonderful, very much a community. And so that was a big choice for her to give up the familiar, and she embraced it. Um, sometimes people like her become more Catholic than the rest of us. <laughs> and she just had a deep longing. You know, she's still alive, but once in her lifetime to be able to um, – visit the Vatican. And so through a contact, we had a private tour of the Vatican Museum and um, in the Sistine Chapel in St. Peter's. And I was actually able to get tickets and we attended Palm Sunday Mass um, a few years ago. In Mar it was March. And so it was really important to her that we did it. And again, I don't think it was about the pomp and the circumstance, but I think especially with this particular Pope, Pope Francis, it was really important, and she didn't know if she would have another chance in her lifetime. What What was the 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 most challenging aspect of that Catholic upbringing? Because I have exactly <laughs> no, 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 Karen. The reason I ask about that is because I had exactly the same upbringing. I'm one of eleven children. And and I know. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, right. So I had exactly the same upbringing that you did, and you know, country Australia, a little country town in Australia, is probably no different than any other town in any other city in any other state in the world. But and and I know that I had my challenges. What what did you find most challenging about that Catholic childhood? Um, actually. Growing up, it wasn't particularly challenging. It was um, a very welcoming community. Mm. And even um, through college, the adulthood, I was able to find a community that even if it wasn't Franciscan, um, embraced those principles of, you know, respect for life, all phases of life through, you know, a dignified death. Mm, and wow, yeah. Um and um I, I don't I don't really want to go into politics. And 
um, service, clearly service, right? Service for service to others, humility, and um, just humility. Yeah. And so I think what's been challenging has been as an adult and some of the schisms and um, I think it's a challenging time, especially in the U S because there's been, in my opinion, an unfortunate mashup of politics and Catholicism and conservatism. And um, for me, what's been important to maintain my faith and my faith community is to be in a faith community that really aligns with that aspect of being Catholic, of being a person of service and of being humble and a person of simplicity Mm. and not being judgmental. So the congregation where my husband and I um, worship, which is near our, you know, the capital of, of the United States is run by a group of missionary priests that originated in Belgium and the priests who serve, they never serve in their home country. And so they make this decision that if they put themselves forward and they become a religious person, they're actually never going home. And so the whole idea is you go where you're sent. And so um, the parish is very much focused on humility and service, care for creation, not being non-judgmental. Um, and it, it isn't always in alignment with the rest of Catholicism in the U S. Yeah. What a, what a wonderful community to be a part of though, that a, a community that's motivated by really those basic teachings of Jesus. And that's about love, isn't it? It's all about love. Uh, yes. And I've spoken here before about the Casillo movement. My parents were part of it. Curcio community, you know, began in Spain. It began um, quite a few years ago. And so I'm an active member in that community. And I think what I really love about that community is we don't talk about politics. It is about how can we support each other in, in what we call our fourth day. You make a retreat for three days and on the fourth day, that's the rest of your life. And so you make a commitment to support each other, to be a person of Christian action, um, to study your faith and enrich your faith, and to seek out and recall holy and pious moments, especially to call upon those moments when life is tough. And so to be able to support each other in all of it. And, you know, there's folks in that group, I may not always agree with everything that they say, but the basic foundation of faith um, is really, really important. And I would say it's not a struggle, but as I age, I am much more called to be with people of many other faiths or no faith to really seek understanding. So um, I was able to participate in a project that my local library put on, I believe it started in Europe. It's called the Human Library Project. I'm not sure if you know what that is. I don't know that. Tell me about it. So the Human Library Project um, is based on the premise that we go to a library and we check out a book to learn something new. 
So the human library project is you go to the library and you check out a person and wow. you talk to that person to learn something new. Wow. And I was re- so I was really, really interested because um, it popped up right around when I returned from my Camino and I signed up and you know, they gave they gave a list of it might be someone whose mother was a Holocaust survivor. It might be someone who suffers from depression. It might be a person um, who's Jewish. And, and there was just a long list. And I thought, I'll just have a conversation with whoever pops up. And when I was waiting, I stumbled upon um, this book called Pilgrimage that is just a compendium of pilgrim traditions around the world. So I was waiting in my place and my turn came and I had two choices. Um, And I said, oh, I'd like to talk to the man who's a practicing Muslim. And so we sat down and we had the most incredible discussion about faith. Wow. And raising our our children in faith and pilgrimage because he had made the Hajj. Wow. And so that was really, really powerful. Yeah. 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 What a great concept, the human library. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, let's let's take a step back then. You, you just talked about the Camino. We're going to get to your Camino in a moment. But how did the Camino first come into your life? How did you first learn about it? How did it first appear on your horizon? Um, I think that, you know, the Camino movie popped up. I think I knew about it vaguely. I had been a student in Spain, um, in Valencia, and perhaps I knew about it. But in our Crucio community, a member of our community who's also a spiritual director, she trained for it. And that was a stretch. She trained for it. And with a friend, she walked the Portuguese Camino probably seven years ago. And more importantly, she came back and she spoke and gave a witness to our community about her experience. And that's when I decided I would do it. So you're, you're someone who does a lot of preparation and, and, and you were preparing for your Camino and you, you did your research. You said that you found or discovered that early walkers would confess their sins, clean their houses, pay their debts and make amends to anyone they had wronged. <laughs> yeah. But Isn't you, that great? yeah, yeah, and you wrote that perhaps they were concerned they might not make it back. So, did you do all of those things too before you went? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was so fascinating. So, um, so I did clean my house, um, <laughs> but I, that's something I would usually do, and go to mass and confess my sins before I left. Um, I don't know that I felt a huge need to make amends to anybody. Maybe I did. And the other thing um, that I did was my friend who had made the Camino as a spiritual director, I asked to meet with her for spiritual direction a few times. And spiritual direction is you know, really just talking to somebody who can help you explore your faith life and make suggestions of ways and challenge you to deepen your faith life. And because she knew me and because 
she was she had done a Camino. It was a good experience. So we met a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that was my preparation. But I was laughing because, you know, in the 800s and the 900s, Santiago de Compostela became popular because uh, Rome could be dangerous. And of course, Jerusalem and the Holy Land was dangerous. And so this concept that you might not come back was actually pretty valid. And also you were gone a very long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved your next line that you wrote to me. You said, I also read that cleaning externally implied an <laughs> internal cleansing. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because we, and I've, I've conducted almost 400 interviews for this podcast. Often it's about renewal and re a resetting and a rejuvenation of the spirit. That's a really interesting concept. They cleaned their house before they left. They paid their debts. They made amends to anyone they had wronged. Cleaning externally implied an internal cleansing. I, or even like cleaning externally was an opportunity to reflect on, you know, the internal piece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I really love that. So so then tell us then, Karen, about your Camino. Where and when did you start? How far did you walk? Take us back because you walked with your husband, Patrick. I walked with my husband, Patrick. And as, as some background, he's an avid cyclist and we're hikers and campers in the States. Um, I am a very avid trail runner. So for me, the opportunity to go out and um, run in the woods, either with with a few people or by myself, is a very holy, spiritual, very renewing place. Yeah. And so the idea of just going out walking for a long time was fantastic. And so we made the decision to do it, I think, as did many folks during COVID, to say, we've been talking about this and it's, it's now or never. And, um, and so I had chosen the Portuguese central route because of other commitments. And so that we could, you know, leave full-time jobs for about three weeks and really have time before and after and, and take about 12 days to walk. So that was really important. And we had done other backpacking trips. Um, I think the other part of preparation was, we made a decision we would carry our packs and not use a service. And so it's really a very visible whittling down when you're deciding what to bring. Because you keep thinking, I don't need this. I don't need it. I don't need this. So we had a couple of um, a couple of very cold, mountain, rainy hikes that we loaded up our backpacks on very mountainous terrain and came back and said, no, that's too much stuff. So, but that, that was also part of, if you have to carry it on your back, you're going to be really thoughtful about what you're going to bring. Did you, on that Portuguese Camino, do what's known as the spiritual aspect of it? Actually, we did not. Oh. Um, it looked intriguing, um, but we actually didn't do it. I mean, it might be something that, um, we would go back and do, but we, so we, um, spent 
a couple of nights in Porto and got to know Porto. We were able to attend mass in the a very small chapel in the Porto Cathedral, which was really lovely. And then um, we actually took the tram out to Villa do Conde and we started walking from Villa do Conde on the beach, but then we walked the central route. Wow. Okay. You wrote to me to say, I was given the gift of discernment prior to my Camino. I just, when I read that, I thought, hmm, discernment is a gift, sure, but not for everyone. Tell me about the gift of discernment prior to walking the Camino. So, you know, you know, if you, if you're somebody who play, you meditate, you pray for guidance and discernment, sometimes we don't like the answer. Exactly. That's the point. I'm, I'm, that's the reason I'm asking that. Yeah. So, you know, if you believe in God, you believe in a higher power or you meditate and the answer is no. The answer is no, is not now. You can become cynical. You can not like the answer, but if you, you know, if you practice meditation or contemplation or silent prayer, um, you know, I do believe that you will receive this gift of discernment. You just might be happy, not happy with the answer. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Because you said that you're usually somebody who focuses on action and planning for the future. Was the Camino then the the end of something, the start of something new, or was it an opportunity to kind of make sense of where you were in your life? That's really, that's a very interesting question because um, I was praying for discernment on a big career choice to leave a really stable, solid um, career to, to go into business for myself. And um, the familiar is always the easiest. Change is always hard. And it can be easy to come up with a lot of self-justification of, no, 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 it's not a good idea. It's really unknown. Mm. And, um, you know, as I said, with this spiritual director, her name is Kathy, and, you know, we were talking about it, but I really did have a lightning bolt moment of um, make the decision, set a date, and do it. And it was a discernment moment. And I think there's a part of putting yourself in a place, if you're a person of action, there's putting yourself in a place of being because it's not going <laughs> to, whether you meditate, pray, yeah, right? You know, you're like, okay, I need a decision. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. And so I had expected that a lot of that would take place on the Camino. But because that happened for me in February, a few months before I left, um, and I was very content with the decision, um, it reframed the Camino because I had made a decision and then it was about being a person who's present on the Camino to kind of think about what's next. Mm. Um, but not in a, I have to plan it and I have to worry about it. And it was a decision that I didn't share with my place of work until July. And so 
they had they actually had no idea because it just wasn't appropriate and um so i think having that gift of discernment and then going on that camino when i had made that big decision and i wasn't looking that looking back was really it was really great yeah yeah i when you wrote to me it was really interesting um one thing that i thought was really interesting was that you're saying that you assembled that long list of prayer requests and intentions and it was the beginning of beautiful spirit-filled encounters and experiences but i wonder was it all wonder was it all beautiful was everything as delightful as you expected and experienced it was a re- it was a really really great experience yeah um it was real i mean you you've done all these interviews the people that i met and we met um the chance encounters are just always so wonderful Mm. and um and it wasn't as though i said every single day i'm going to mass and i'm going to pray five times a day actually that wasn't the plan at all it was you know, I'm going to start the day and um, have to remember, you know, about this list of prayer intentions, but, and then what will happen will happen. Um, we did the trip over Holy Week and, and Easter, and that was really special, but nothing was planned. Right. And right. Like I knew what day it was like, oh, it's Holy Thursday. I'd like to go to church, but just trust i just trusted okay we'll figure it out if it's going to work out if there's some sort of procession how wonderful um and that afforded a lot of really really just beautiful encounters and experiences wow yeah 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 i have fantastic tell me about the little stone on your kitchen window so um it's very interesting because in the Curcio tradition, when someone in our community is um, a candidate on a weekend, over the course of the weekend, the community prays for them and the community makes sacrifices for them. They might say, hey, for you this weekend, I'm going to give up coffee, which I frankly have never done. <laughs> and but sometimes in our community, people will say, I'm going to um, spend the weekend and put a pebble in my shoe that it will remind me that you're on this weekend. So this idea of a stone can have a lot of significance. And um, it was in Barcelos, and it was the Saturday uh, vigil for Palm Sunday, which is a huge, really joyous Catholic and Christian celebration and we um stayed in the municipal alberge in barcelos fantastic place just the hospitality the volunteers and i just asked do you know when there's a mass oh yes yes you know in fact my children are in a procession on sunday or you could you know you could go to the cathedral on saturday and so um, we did go to the cathedral and there was a, a woman standing on the steps who approached us and said, are you a pilgrim? Yes, we're pilgrims. 
oh, welcome. Welcome you. Please follow me. So into the church, she said, you are sitting in a special place up front. Um, Here's a pilgrim's blessing in English for you. And if it's okay with you at the end of mass, there'll be a blessing in front of the congregation. Um, And so in a lot of Catholic churches in, in Europe, they're empty. And, you know, you just kind of don't know what to expect when you go in. It was packed. Wow. And there was a young adult choir that was just amazing. Wow. And, and um, they also had a couple of screens so that when they sang, you could sing. And you, they would project all the words to the songs. So they were in Portuguese, but you could still sing. And it was really touching because a lot of the songs that they sang um, I sang either in Spanish or English, and my husband, who's a French speaker, there were a couple that he sang growing up um, in Haiti, where he's from in French. So it was just, it was so touching. And then there was a blessing at the end. And then um, the the volunteer said, she took us in the sacristy, and she said, we want to give you these gifts. So there were, there was a prayer card, and she opened a box, and in it were these beautiful small stones that someone had painted with other flowers or just a representation of the cathedral. And she said, please take one. You can take it your whole Camino or, you know, if you have a burden when you're ready to set your burden aside, you can, you can set it aside. But I was so touched by this community of volunteers that this is, this is their ministry to welcome pilgrims like that. How fantastic. And that little stone is on your kitchen window right now. How lovely. What you walked with, Patrick, did you walk together every day? Did you sometimes walk apart? So um, between us, we speak a number of languages. So French, Spanish, some Italian and some Portuguese. And it it really afforded us a lot of opportunities. So we would always start the day together. And then if if we met somebody or I met somebody, we might not walk together. I mean, you know, we always knew where the other person was. And it was it was a really good opportunity. So for me, there were encounters, you know, in different languages that were just really meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote to me to say as a very busy bee type of person, I kind of picture that person, right? Uh, yes. You said, I learned to set aside goals for walking. How hard is it for a very, in quotes, very busy bee type of person, unquotes, how hard is it for someone like you to set aside goals, to just simply let the Camino carry you? Um, I think it actually happened fairly quickly for me. And... um you know, that walk is about 145 miles, about mm-hmm. 145 miles. And um, we, you know, we did, we used John Brierley's book, which was just fabulous. Yeah. And so we mostly followed his stages. And so there was an, you know, there was an average. It wasn't a rigid how many miles. Um, and it became very clear 
you know, it's not like me going out and running in the woods for three hours and saying that I'm going to cover so many miles. I mean, as time went on, it took longer and longer because we met so many people and there was coffee and there was a beer at 11 and there was <laughs> lunch. And then there was walking into town and seeing someone I knew that we would stop and have wine. And I think that is one of the, the beautiful things about the Camino. Um, you know, the food and the drink were plentiful. The coffee was plentiful. There was only one day, I think it was um, Easter morning, that there was no coffee. And that was that was a long walk. <laughs> and when we reached, when we reached, wherever we reached, it was the longest line I saw on the entire Camino. <laughs> and everyone was in good spirits and very patient, but we all needed to have an espresso. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think that is a gift. Go of all of the scheduling, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, tell us about the Saturday Easter Vigil and the choir. In Pontevedra, which is a beautiful, beautiful place and just a lovely, lovely town. And we stayed in the historic part. And I guess we walked into one of the churches and it was lovely and asked you know, it's Easter Vigil. What time is Mass? Mass is at, I don't know if it was 9 o'clock or whenever it was. Oh, wonderful. And um, and then we ran into some Camino friends and had drinks and went on our merry way. And when we, I speak Spanish. Um, I'm, I'm a Spanish, Spanish speaker as well as English. And um, so when we went back to the cathedral, a very nice person said, oh, it's actually not here. It's somewhere else. It's in this other main church. And a very nice gentleman said, I'm actually going there. I'm happy to, to walk you. Wow. Which I immediately realized he wasn't speaking Spanish. He was speaking Gallego, which I probably understood 50% of it. And we got there early. So he took it upon himself to give us a tour. And it was just... And um, in the Catholic tradition, Easter Vigil, you walk into a dark church and you light, you walk in with candles. So it signifies, you know, the risen Christ and light. And so there is an Easter fire outside and you light each other's candles and then you walk in. And it was really just, it was beautiful. And the choir was just very charismatic. And even when the mass finished, the choir stayed and sang. Oh, wow. And so that was really, yeah, it was really, it was very spontaneous. And we exited and it was, I don't know, 1030 or 11. And Ponte Vedra was just this huge flurry of activity. Everybody was out. And um, so we were out and we were staying in a, like a, an, in a, a hostel, not really an alberge. And we were laughing because we were the last ones in and we were by far the oldest people in this hostel. So we were like the old folks trying ah. to sneak in and not wake everybody up. Because you'd been to mass. <laughs> well, and we went out after. Oh, right. Right. There you go. One of the lines that you wrote to me in your email said, I tried to capture the essence of the Camino. My faith is my anchor. 
and that f- my focus is love and social justice. If faith is your anchor, I, I immediately envisage a ship or a boat or something that needs anchoring. And then I also then, in my mind's eye, see something that is turbulent. There's turbulence there. And and it's not, not always smooth sailing. It's not always easy going. Tell me about how you stay anchored. Tell me how you stay focused on love and social justice. Because I, I too am like you. I like to think of my faith as an anchor. And it's not always easy to remain stable, to remain afloat. How do you and how does the Camino help you maintain that focus? I, I think this concept of pilgrimage, of stepping away from daily life for quiet, for prayer, for meditation is really important because it's easy to just have all this activity in your own head without the rest of the world out there. And so opportunities that maybe aren't even pilgrimage, but opportunities to anchor me in my faith are really, really important. And um, through Curcio, I have been involved in a group of, it's mostly women, and we meet almost every single week. And the purpose is to support each other in our faith journey. And so every single week, we talk about our own personal um, Christian action study in a holy moment, or if it's really not a holy moment, if it's a horrible time, if it's a challenging mm-hmm. time. So there's definitely, there's that. And um, so for me, like doing a major pilgrimage, you get, a big dose of it. But I also think for me, it's important to have those moments to go out in the woods and to hike or to be able to run or do something else like that. Um, I also draw inspiration from, you know, a lot of holy people through history. And I don't know that a lot of people are aware, but St. Teresa of Calcutta, who everybody knows about, she went through many, many years of darkness that she totally questioned her faith and no one had any idea. They did. People didn't know. And I think her inspiration for me is there's always hard times. And sometimes to put yourself in that pilgrimage place, put yourself in a place of prayer, um, be in a place that comforts you in that way. And to be with, people that support you because that's what life is. People go through really dark moments and um, that idea that there's an anchor and that anchor is just different for everybody. Yeah, that's right. It is different for everybody, but it's nice to know that your faith can be an anchor, can keep you grounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about, Ignatian spirituality. What's Ignatian spirituality? So Ignatius of Loyola was a nobleman in Spain, and he had a religious conversion, and I can't tell you when. Um, 
there was a period that I think he was a knight and among all of these battles in Spain and he was wounded. And so the story goes that during his convalescence, somebody brought him, what they brought him to read was about um, religious saints. So he developed, I mean, he had a conversion experience. So Ignatian spirituality is about being a person for others. And so that, um, philosophy is really, really important. And there are, you know, folks that I really admire who honor that tradition and went through, there's um, schooling in the U.S. and around the world, Jesuit, Ignatian Jesuit schools, that that is their underlying philosophy, right, to help men and women become men men and women for others so that's something that's just really important to me and i have a child um uh, my two children went to high schools that embrace that uh philosophy yeah yeah how fantastic wow wow that's amazing you you know um when we started you know sort of toing and froing uh on email it was because of our our friend Gail Nicholson, who said I should speak to you. And, I love Gail. <laughs> yeah, and, and Gail, Gail has this very deep contemplative view of life. She's really into the spiritual aspects of 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 life and and her Camino in particular. And she said, "Oh, you, you know, you really need to speak to 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 Karen." And and I said, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll 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 do that." Why? Why do you think Gail suggested I should talk to you? I think um, when I met Gail, I felt like I met a kindred spirit. I mean, Gail's um, Gail finds inspiration and strength in so many traditions, and Gail is very curious. Gail is very open-minded. Um, to me, she's a really courageous person. I mean, she um, set out the Camino herself, and I can't remember when I met Gail, but in the day, Gail was very clear that she was walking by herself because that was what she was doing. And and on the podcast that she did with you, you know, she talked about a couple of conversion experiences, but I recall that she and I had conversations about around faith, faith tradition. Um, so many of the commonalities of tradition and respect yeah. for other tradition. Yeah. So that's probably why, because she and I, you know, had conversations, but a, a very courageous person and a very curious person and a very open-minded person. But that doesn't explain why she said I should speak to you. Well, I, I think that we there was something talking to each other because I think at this phase of my life, deep interest in learning about, you know, many other faith traditions and pilgrimage mm. from the perspective of other faith traditions. Yeah. I, we have so many similarities in terms of faith traditions. Yeah. 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 Tell me about walking into Santiago de Compostela. We did the walk in April. It can be extremely rainy. We had rain gear. The weather was magnificent. There was very little rain. We did a lot of 
physical preparation. So where we live in Virginia, where we hike in Virginia and West Virginia, it's very hilly and very rocky. And so the terrain actually was really comfortable. And so that part was great. There were so many services along the way in terms of just comfort and wonderful, wonderful hospitality. And it felt that it was really easy to meet people. So there was just so much rich conversation. And I always, I just always asked people, you know, why are you, what's your why? Why are you doing this? And just such fascinating answers of why people chose to do the walk. And, um, and then there were, there were deep conversations about faith and spirituality with a lot of people. That wasn't the only thing we talked about at all. But there were really good conversations. And the Portuguese Camino in April is magnificently beautiful. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful. There are baby lambs and fields are just starting, you know, to bloom. There were fruit trees in bloom. It was just magnificent. It's wow. just a as someone who who loves being outside, it's absolutely beautiful and the trail is really, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that. Just our listeners can't see, but we're on Zoom and I can see now that you're, you're, you're when you were saying how beautiful it was, you could, I could see your whole person, your whole, yeah, yeah everything. You were just like, oh, yeah, so beautiful. You said in, a, in, in one of the second last paragraphs you wrote to me, Camino is a deep longing for connection, community and unconditional love. I, I put a highlight on that uh, and copied and pasted it into the transcript for the interview. I don't think I've ever seen a line pro- probably better. Camino is a deep longing for connection. That's so true. Community, that's so true. And unconditional love. And I've spoken here many times. I've seen people who would never normally tend to somebody else's feet or carry someone else's backpack or buy someone else a beer or pay for someone else's pay for a whole table's lunch but this unconditional love but there again that line camino is a deep longing for connection community and unconditional love that's so well put uh, i'm going to steal it by the way karen i'm going to use it from <laughs> now on tell me how does this camino and it's deep longing for connection, community, and unconditional love. How did you take it back to your community in, in, in the United States? That's a really great question because as a very strong work, I didn't miss a day of work through the um, pandemic in a, in a very stressful job. And it was so hard for me personally to to work remotely in a job that I interacted with so many people in person and and I hired I hired a lot of people during the pandemic you know that I never met in person remotely I hired a fair amount of young adults who had just finished college and so their last couple of years of college were remote mm. and and then they had a remote internship and then they either were an intern with me or I hired them and you know, what I saw was like this human, like longing for connection and community in so many ways. And it just felt like doing the Camino in the spring of 2023 was like this giant 
manifestation of, I just need to, you know, collectively, if I need to do something to be in this space that I'm welcomed and I'm accepted and it's a community and after what we all live through. And um, I would say when I came back, I think it was just an even deeper desire to strengthen community um, and volunteer in my community. I was already volunteering, but I did put myself forward for other opportunities. And, you know, it's really hard to put into words that longing that when you would ask somebody, what do you do? Why are you doing this? You know, what motivated you to do this? It was like almost like this deep personal need after what we all live through to just be with people and rub shoulders with people mm, and, yeah. you know, make the, make a collective journey together. Yeah. yeah. A collective journey together to rub shoulders with people, to experience their stories and to learn from them is, is such a wonderful experience. Uh, that's one of the great things I love about the Camino is learning and listening hearing other people's stories and 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 simply being yeah. sim- simply being that sounding board. Oh Karen, it's been such a l- delight to talk to you. I've loved every minute of it. But uh, do you have a Camino story for us? Tell us a Camino story. I have many, but I'll tell you one. And um as someone who's an extrovert and loves talking to complete strangers, you know, I I greeted so many people and you know, after a while, you start seeing the same people. So I don't know when it was. Um, it perhaps was maybe halfway through. We began to see a couple walking together. Um, I'm in my early 60s, you know, probably a little bit younger than us. And, you know, we would see them. We would say hello. We would wave. And then then there were times we'd be stopping at for coffee at the same place. And I would say, Oh, would you like to sit here? Oh no, 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 we're good. And it, it happened quite a few times. And it was clear that they really were very private and it was towards the end. Um, maybe it was right before Padron and uh, we were with some other Camino friends having a glass of wine and they walked by please join us. And so their names were Kim and Hong. And so we chatted and it was really a brief encounter. And then we saw them again. Um, I think when we arrived in Santiago and we went to mass that night, we saw them in church and I realized, I think they're Catholic. And so the next morning we were, oh, and we said to them, Absolutely. We're still here. Let's have breakfast. They said yes. So the next morning we were in the pilgrim's office with some other friends waiting in line for our Compostela. And they were there. Got our Compostela. I said, let's go have breakfast. And the gentleman, Kim, said, no, 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 we're having lunch. I've researched and I found a really nice Chinese restaurant. Ah. And so we met for lunch. So thoughtful. We had not been eating Chinese food, walking the Camino. It was a lovely restaurant. And 
in the course of an hour or so, we just had a beautiful conversation and sharing about our children. We shared pictures of our adult children and wedding pictures. We talked about our faith and it was just a really special moment. Yeah, wow. There are a lot of Korean pilgrims on the Camino. Yeah, there are. It's it's a very special thing for the for the Koreans who who love to walk and who love to share and who love to have a deep spiritual connection and and faith, just as you do. It's been such a lovely thing to talk to you, Karen. I've really really appreciated it. I'm gonna say again. Camino is a deep longing for connection, community, and unconditional love. Nobody's ever said that to me or written that to me, and I really appreciate it. I think you've summed up perfectly what it is that I try to share every time I speak to somebody, and you've summed it up perfectly in the course of our conversation today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Buen Camino. My guest this week was the American Pilgrim, Karen O'Dant. I can't wait to see you all at the American Pilgrims on the Camino annual gathering in Texas in March. It will be a wonderful four days. In the meantime, I'm off walking. I'm preparing for my next Camino in May. If you'd like to join me, shoot me an email, danmullinsmusic at gmail.com. In the meantime, Proverb 11.17 in the Bible says, When you are kind to others, you help yourself. When you are cruel to others, you hurt yourself. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way